We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the Rotowire Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, and you can use that promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit on DraftKings. That'll get you a free contest entry today. Nick Whalen here with James Thunder Anderson, as we always are on Thursdays. It's December 10th, four games only in the association uh, to, to talk about on this Thursday night, but 10 games last night. And James, you were actually in the house for Clippers at Bucks. I was. That was uh, that was a game that I was at. Um, it was kind of frustrating throughout because there's a lot of players on the Bucks that play a lot of minutes that are very frustrating to watch. Uh, you know, Jabari Parker and Greg Monroe's defensive 
abilities and efforts were lacking throughout the night and Michael Carter Williams attempted a couple jump shots which is always a a rough rough sight to see so you know luckily Johnny O'Brien hit the the famous three-pointer that you've all probably seen on YouTube by now but uh yeah I mean that was a kind of a forgettable game I mean JJ Redick was awesome and murdered the Bucks rightfully so for what they did to him several years ago uh so I I kind of was on his side there but yeah i mean prying him away from that orlando team that was well they they traded for him in the midst of a a playoff like run and then they played him like 20 minutes a game it was the playoffs like that like you got to play him like he was probably the second best player on that team and they treated him like yeah like a seventh or eighth well that's well that's when they had allison jennings right uh yeah but he's better like i think he's better than both of those well guys. right i just mean it's an odd like what you know you have <laughs> right, your two yeah. guards like why are you adding another guy who you would ideally like to play big minutes well, um they didn't they had to had to unload tobias yeah well was, i mean problem guy you know low upside <laughs> uh no future in the league for him um but yeah chris paul had 18 assists in this one to, yeah. go, to go with 18 points 18 assists in 38 minutes like you said reddick had a big night 31 points Blake Griffin, 21 and 14. So basically what you expected uh, on the Clippers side of things and pretty much what we expected on the Bucks side of things as well, I guess, other than that Johnny O'Brien three-pointer. Uh, that was one of only two made threes for the Bucks on the night. Probably my my favorite moment of the game was when, like, towards the end of the game where the Bucks were in uh, hack-a-DeAndre mode and mm-hmm. my, my girlfriend, like, leans over to me and she's like, he's not very good at free throws. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah. Yeah, he's <laughs> just, not. <laughs> they're, they're just, they just happen to be following him every time. Yeah. So. Um, no, that's great. Uh, I, I understand you said you sat by – they were they were handing out – what's the proper term for these, like boomsticks, I think they call them? Yeah, like, yeah. They're those, like, inflatable things that you – first of all, you have to, like, blow into them to blow them up. Right. Which they get, is, if they're going to hand those out, they better – they should pre-inflate like, them or at least I give you I didn't come to the game to blow into some, some plastic, but uh, – <laughs> Yeah, so that those get handed out, and we're stuck kind of. I mean, decent seats. Like, if you're going to be in the second level, it was it was decent. Uh, we were pretty close, but uh, yeah, we were we were right. Two two big problems with the seats is we were right by. Do they still call it Squad Six? I don't know. I, that's funny that you asked because I I actually just tried to look this up earlier, and you know, for those who aren't familiar with with the Bucks, this started back when Bogut was was in Milwaukee back in probably 2006, right. 2007 or so where he bought out a section of tickets and, you know, would hold auditions for the craziest fans. You can basically give away free tickets and say, you know, you guys got to come to as many games as you can. You got to be loud, kind of like a college student section. And a lot of, I think, more NBA arenas have kind of adopted this and more players have done the same over the last few years. But once Bogut left, it turned into Sector 7 uh, as Ursan Ilyasova took over. Now with him gone, I'm not sure. It's still there, but I don't know what they call it. Yeah, well, whatever it's called, we were like – I don't know, 20 feet away from it. So that was really annoying because they, they don't shut up. And then uh, these two, I'll, I'll call them uh, plus-sized drunk girls were sitting next to us, and they were they had their boomsticks, and I don't think they really – they either didn't know what the boomsticks were for or they just didn't care because – they were just hammering them like during commercials and like during timeouts and just you know they really they thought it was great they were extremely entertained by the the boomsticks and uh yeah so that that was annoying so kind of we were right in the middle of these two girls banging their boomsticks and the the squad six doing their thing so 
not ideal from I mean I, when I go to a, a NBA game like if it's not a playoff game and there's not that much on the line like I kind of just want to chill and just <laughs> watch the game like I'm I'm not standing up I'm not you know clapping mm-hmm. or <laughs> exclaiming when when something yeah crazy I think kind of being so. in you know we're certainly not you know NBA reporters or anything like that but no. even just kind of being in the, the sports business kind of tames your right. fanship like, I just a little wanna, bit like I, I would yeah. never I don't want to go to a Bucks game and, and like if I'm not covering it and just cheer like crazy you know you kind of want to observe yeah and, I just want to watch the the game uh right. you know watch the the players and stuff so uh not ideal seats but yeah I mean that that Bucks team other than I mean Giannis was I mean his it doesn't show up in his plus minus but he was the best player the Bucks had I mean he he had five fouls, but two of those were clean blocks on Blake Griffin at the at the hoop. So that was pretty frustrating. Did have a he did have one bad one that I saw in the second half on DeAndre Jordan, just a kind of a frustration yeah. foul, slashing I, well, him across the arm. I on think a dunk. It, I don't really blame him for being frustrated because the I mean the the two calls against him on on Blake, one was like a Blake putback that he swatted, one was a transition uh, layup slash dunk that he swatted, both cleanly and both kind of looked obvious in real time that they were clean too so i can i can understand his frustration there and it's extra frustrating when the only player really on the team that's playing any defense is not uh getting rewarded for it so that was that was kind of tough to see yeah i mean michael carter williams still coming off the bench they started or the bucks started oj mayo at point guard he had an all right game 14 and 8 for mayo but carter williams 20 points and 11 assists uh off the bench obviously consistency has been the biggest issue for him but I don't mean in talking to people, you know, that cover the Bucks and watch the Bucks. All the the thoughts when Michael Carter Williams has a game like this are, you know, has he figured something out? Is he actually playing well, or are these crazy shots that he's throwing up at the rim out of control just happening to fall? Well, he like it's ugly when he shoots. His floater doesn't look ugly because it's like he's just you know floating it up and hoping it goes in. So it's hard to really look bad on a floater. But when he's not. Uh, you know driving and has to do like a pull-up jumper like it's it's really pretty gross uh you know he got to go 10 minutes against austin rivers which always helps austin rivers managed somehow to have a a minus 11 um, that's best defender on the team austin rivers minus 11 plus minus in 10 minutes of action so whenever you can get that that minus number uh, higher than your minutes number that's that's when you know you're really like single game plus gas. minuses you know we we preach all yeah. the time like you don't don't put too much stock into those but like when you have something that drastic it it means something you know what i love about austin rivers is that he's shooting 21 percent from three and taking two and a half three pointers a game that's pretty you gotta, solid. Hey, if you're in a slump you gotta shoot out of you it. gotta shoot your way you're out in of a career it. long slump you gotta gotta get out of it somehow yep. uh averaging 1.3 assists per game in 23.6 minutes so really uh not really killing deal. it not a deal you love i love that he's taking more threes than assists averaged while shooting 21 percent supposedly as the backup point guard hey still only 23 years old he's got <laughs> he's, he's still, got time to yeah develop. he's still developing career well the thing i mean he shot he shot like decent three-point percentage his first couple years in the league i think with new orleans he was like mid-30s uh both mm-hmm. years which obviously isn't great but it's better than you know i mean it's certainly better than he is now I mean, a 15 point difference I, I don't know what what the 
you know what would what would compensate for what that. What a weird player! Like he's he is a he's weird gotten player. better at two pointers, worse on three pointers. Uh, you know his assists have gone down each of the last two years. Like what what's that about? I don't I don't really. I guess he did play a little more point guard early in his career, right? Now he's kind of been shifted off the ball. I mean, like the, it's insane to have him try to develop him as anything other than a point guard, right? Because he's not a good enough shooter to be I a two. Guess, yeah. Like, I, and he's, I don't care what Doc Rivers says. I almost think he's you want him – great defender either. You want him as like a Patrick Beverly type of guy, right? Like who can – I mean, you know, let's, let's be fair. You don't want him as anything. But like, well, if no, you're going to do what Doc's doing, that's A guy who probably... you like, you play at point guard, he really isn't like as much of a natural point guard as, you know, as some guys, but he – like basically more of his value comes defensively. You want him taking probably zero threes a game, I think, would be I, the... I mean, if you're making them at a 21% <laughs> clip, then, yeah, I think zero might be a little high even. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if we could take a look at a few of the other games from last night. Um, like I said, only four games on the schedule Thursday night, so a uh, pretty light slate and a pretty uninspiring slate kicking off with Sixers and Nets as the early game. Uh, although we do get Clippers-Bulls, which would be fun, and, and even Hawks-Thunder. Um, but Bulls lost their third straight. They fall to Boston last night, 105 to 100. There was some confusion or indecision, I guess, on the part of the Bulls as to who was going to start at power forward. It ended up being Taj Gibson. So they move Nikola Mirotic to the bench. And I mean, this is a guy that two, three games into the season we thought had taken a huge step forward. You know, I mean, there was already talk of, you know, was he going to be a potential All Star type of player? And you know, the last month or so, he's really come back down to earth. Yeah, he's a guy that I I don't want to give up on him just yet, but I might have been wrong about him. Uh, you know, he just... The confidence isn't there anymore. I don't know what... It, he just doesn't look like the yeah, same guy. I think he... I don't know what he needs, but, you know, just from, like, a scouting perspective, like, you watch him play and you watch him shoot, and it looks... Like, he looks the part of, like, a, you know, kind of a prototypical stretch four... But the results just haven't really been there. So, yeah, I, I definitely probably was wrong about his overall upside. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. what the, the big question for me on this team is, you know, is, is Derrick Rose going to make the All-Star team as a starter or a, a reserve? <laughs> I don't even want to get into this again. If you guys listened to the podcast on Tuesday, uh, our good friend DJ Trainer was – uh, he was. I guess he was shocked that I didn't think Derrick Rose was going to be an All Star, and I. I don't. You know, no disrespect to DJ. I don't know where where his thought process is on this. I hope he can kind of hear me through the door here. Um, but I. Th- I think. I mean, obviously, Derrick Rose isn't going to get fan voted in. Oh, and <laughs> and DJ is just just messaged me and said these walls are not soundproof. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I mean. Is there any situation in which basically DJ's argument was Derrick Rose is a big name? You know, if it's if you're choosing between a guy like Derrick Rose and like Isaiah Thomas or Kemba Walker, you know, whether it's a coach or you know whoever is in charge of this decision, I mean, I guess if you want to put it to the fan vote, is there any chance that Derrick Rose would get in just because of that name recognition? Uh, no, because like here's the thing about Derrick Rose is like you can't even expect his the bulls fans to vote for him like that's yeah that was kind of my point his own home fans wouldn't vote they don't even like him like the his the bulls fans don't like him so like 
you know, you're not going to get like no Raptors fans going to vote for him. No, uh, you know, Wizards fans going to vote for him. No Cavs fans going to vote for him. So like, <laughs> who's voting for him? Like, no Bucks fans going to vote for him because they all hate him. It's like, like well, his hometown. Like, oh no, shit, that's no, Chicago. Like, so like, which who is what's the fan base that's going to rise up and vote Derrick Rose? And maybe like people in Memphis, maybe they yeah. might vote for him. But. I think Memphis. Uh, where's Adidas headquartered? They're out in Portland, I think, or in the somewhere in that area. Sure. I mean, I, I, <laughs> international. I think I. I would have guessed Germany, but um, yeah, I, I, I think. Uh, I mean, he really what he what he kind of has to do is he needs like a couple injuries in front of him, probably, and this is just bad. Just, just to run, just to go on a crazy like two month run of awesomeness where like the coaches vote a bit. Well, you said on the podcast last week that you think. Kyrie Irving is not out of this yet. And I think Kyrie like, Irving has a better chance of making it than Derrick Rose. Cause I, think I agree with fa- that. I think he'll get more of a fan vote yeah, and he and could I possibly think, get in. And it sounds like he could be back, I mean, as soon as like a couple of days from now. Sure. Uh, the, like, way, I, the way that the Cavs are kind of leaking out information. And even if it's a week or two from now, that gives him you know, basically a full two months uh, to make his case. And if the Cavs, you know, if he, if he and Shump come back and the Cavs lose like two games from now till the All-Star break, I think he'll have a pretty strong case, sure. especially with Kevin Love not playing that well. And if that team is sitting firmly atop the East, it'll be hard to just give them LeBron. Yeah, and I could, yeah, I could definitely see the coaches because it's not like there's a plethora of, of awesome guard candidates in the East. So if the coaches are kind of looking at it and like, well, this team's underperforming, this team's underperforming, uh, this team's like in first place by quite a bit. Like, probably gotta gotta send a couple guys from that squad. So yeah, I think I think Kyrie's gotta. Much better shot than Rose. I I think I think Paul Gasol. I I still think he gets in from that team. Jimmy Butler obviously going to get in, but uh, other than that, Paul does have an interesting international push for him, and he started the All Star game last year. I don't know if we'll see that again. It's going to be pretty hard to to push out Drummond, LeBron, and Paul George in the front court, right? Uh, I I don't think Drummond's getting voted in. I you don't think don't, so? I don't like who. I feel like he's not even close to like a household name. Yeah, like, that, I guess that's true. I don't and know. especially if the Pistons roll into the All Star right. break ten games under, and the Pistons don't have like a rabid fan base. No, so it's I, well, I it's fairly rabid. I think which is fairly small. Sure, sure. Um, don't ever say they're not rabid. Okay, yeah, I don't want to get angry Pistons fans uh, hitting me up or anything. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't. Th- I just don't think Drummond's like. I think it, this is the year before he become like he's gonna become like a household name as the season goes on but not in enough time sure. i think to get the family well the pistons are 12 and 11 right now and i think if they're if they're hovering around 500 or a few games over i mean he's gonna he's gonna get in no matter what right mm. like I mean, yeah, there's no yeah, way yeah, that yeah. A, there's no way that the coaches wouldn't yeah, pick him. he'll get it one there's just not that many options Plus at center in the like East. coaches have had to play it the coaches that have had to play against the pistons are definitely yeah. gonna put him in yeah so. and i think i think they respect that organization a lot more with the way that van gundy's running it than maybe that they had in the past six or seven years um, but going back to Kyrie real quickly, oh yeah, the release of the Kyrie two uh, were they released today or were these just like photos that were released? Uh, they've been floating around the internet for a while. I don't know um, the exact. They, there's so many different uh, colorways on it. Like you know, I've seen at least five or six different colors that are coming out in the Kyries, and they're all very kind of unique some of them i do not like them some of them are really really bad uh the red ones we we touched on uh before the show those are probably the worst uh there's they're one their shoes with straps 
Not a big fan of basketball shoes with straps. They look a little bit like the old Big Ben shoes that you used to be able to buy at like Walmart's and like Stephen Barry's. Big Ben. Big Ben. Yeah, I mean, I don't exactly. know what that is. They um, they were like, I mean, did you guys have Stephen Barry's? I don't know where you grew up. <laughs> yeah, they're not yeah. good. They were, I mean, these retailed for like nine dollars. They were like the Starberry shoes that everybody I had mean, for a year. They look like, they kind of look like, uh, you know, uh, a failed attempt at like a LeBron threes or something like, like the soldier that. things. Yeah, because like, yeah. uh, like, the the strap is definitely LeBron. A lot of LeBrons have had straps, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he gets away with it because he's like a bigger guy. I feel like for the right. reason I associate, like if you have a strap shoe, yeah, like you, exactly. you like assume those are for like big which, players. Which is why, like I hate the KDs because mm-hmm. they're strapped and they're low tops, like super like, low. They look like, like if I was gonna the, go with skateboarding, absurd. I would wear KDs. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, don't know like what I would wear KDs I, for, but not to they play just basketball. Look, they're so like and they're squared ex- off. Like, they're like expensive as hell. Like yeah. they're like right up there in like the LeBron and Kobe like price range. Like the Kyrie. Right. The reason I bought the Kyrie ones was just because they were uh, like that was his first shoe, so they can't like start it off at like 180 bucks. So I right. think I, they were like 120 or something like that. Which is basically the going rate at this point. I mean, 120 sounds like a lot, but not really. Yeah. No. I mean, if you want a good pair of basketball kicks, you're paying triple digits for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, so yeah, I, I think. The the Kyrie twos definitely leave a lot to be desired. Not you know we we were talking about this the other day. I don't think neither of us are on a uh, new shoe per year uh, basis anymore, just because we don't probably play enough and we're not uh, yeah. competitive enough. But uh, yeah, I mean definitely a good year to kind of skip out on the Kyries and hope for <laughs> the Kyrie threes to to bring back the the glory of the the ones. Yeah, the ones were nice. I don't. I wasn't really a fan of like what looked like the shark tooth design on kind of the front heel. I think they were re- if they just eliminated that, I thought they were really really cool. I, I think mean, they still look fine. They're a they? really memorable shoe. Yeah, like that's, for for a debut shoe. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, back in the like the '90s shoes that like I grew up loving, like there were so many just really memorable designs, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's kind of been a, a sort of a lost art in the the sneaker game. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Uh, getting back to the games from last night, Charlotte knocks off Miami, 99-81. This one was never really close. Charlotte led by 20 at the half. Um, Al Jefferson in the weed game, apparently, suspended yeah. five games on top of uh, the ankle injury that he's currently dealing with right now. So the thing about that is he can't start serving the suspension unless he's active. So you know it's not like he can just serve it while he's injured. It's you know right. once he's back from injury, technically designated as active, then he has to serve the five game suspension. I mean, couldn't they just designate him as, as active five games too. before he? I think is ready to come. I don't back. see why you couldn't, right? I mean, you'd have to. I guess you'd have to be pretty safe about it and make sure that he was actually going to be ready to play like when the suspension was up. But Well, that's the thing. Yeah, it's like say say he's going to miss three weeks of the ankle injury and you, you designate him as active, he serves a suspension, and then he sits for four more games. Like I feel like the league wouldn't be on board with that. Right, yeah. You want to designate him as active and then have him come back right after the fifth game. Right. So you got to, you know, I, but I think that's I doable. think that's like a... Like, you just make sure he doesn't... Uh, yeah, I mean, you you maybe play it safe and do right. it like when he's three games away, you mark him as active. Yeah, I think that's kind of an unwritten rule where you just don't do that. You know, I, I well, and then a lot of coaches just don't like to have a shorter bench too. Basically, mm-hmm. you're you're having this guy who's active and you're you're taking away a roster right. spot from somebody that you know who knows what could happen and you need him. Also, what do you what do you kind of? Uh, I was listening to 
uh, Zach Lowe's podcast, and he was talking about how the Hornets might actually be like a better team when Jefferson's not on the court just because of how sort of free-flowing the offense is and how uh, they don't it's not like he's not the hub that the offense runs through. They have a lot of kind of moving pieces, like all the big men can move and pass. And, uh, you know, they have four shooters on the court at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there might be something to that. I, I definitely buy into the them being better without Kid Gilchrist. Yes, that's uh, what I wanted to bring up. I mean, I talked about Batum on, on NBA TV last night about just what he's been able to bring to this team. He had a triple-double last night, 10, 11, and 11. And he basically... I mean, he's a downgrade defensively, but not a huge, huge downgrade. I mean, MKG is kind of in a category of his own, I guess, but he's so, so bad offensively that he kills you there. The Hornets' offensive rating is up more than five points this season. Their defensive rating is down two points. So I think maybe that's the bigger switch is bringing in Batum, who still defends at a high level, but is so, so, so much better offensively and stretches the floor. Uh, I think that's probably the bigger difference for them than, than the Al Jefferson situation. I mean, Batum's averaging i think he's shooting 41 percent on it's like six three-pointers attempted per game I and mean, mkg i don't even think attempted six three-pointers all season last year and then you get rid of gerald henderson who was also a bad shooter bring in a guy like marvin williams to play small ball he chucks up a bunch of threes pj harrison does the same and this team has basically changed its entire style of play and it's working yeah and what's your what's your uh stance on cody zeller as a player mm. Like, cause I've never been a fan and I was not a fan back in the Indiana days when, no. I mean, he came into the season as like the, it's, you know, number one pick to lose or whatever. He just seems like a guy that was just your prototypical like college big man. Right. Like he's not, I don't think he can shoot well enough to no. be like, yeah. And so, I mean, I think like, I, I think Frank Kaminsky profiles is probably a better pro than than Zeller. Mm-hmm. Frank actually had an interesting line last night with seven rebounds, six assists, a steal, but just five points on six attempts uh, in twenty nine minutes. Six assists though. Yeah, uh, that's I would not have expected that, but that's I mean he he can put the ball on the deck a little bit, so I could see him maybe doing some some pump fakes, put it on the the deck and and then kick it out. So uh, yeah, kind of an interesting team though they kind of whooped Miami last night yeah they did and even with you know without Al Jefferson you'd you'd think they're disadvantaged but you know like you said they've they've played just as well if not better without him a lot of disappointing performances if you used any of these Miami guys and daily I mean they barely played uh, in the second half no starter over 25 minutes Dwayne Wade just 11 points 11 for Gerald Green only five for Drogic and Hassan Whiteside six points eight rebounds did have three blocks but six turnovers in 23 minutes and I guess that's yeah, that's kind of what you get uh, with Hassan Whiteside. Houston 109, Washington 103. Houston's kind of back on track. I mean, they're at least back in the playoff picture in the West. They're still 11-12, and 12, but after that disastrous start, I mean, I think they kind of have to be somewhat happy with where they're at now over the last couple of weeks. But that said, they the games that they win, I mean, I watched the end of this game, and they just... I mean, they have to grind out everything. Like this is a team that had a lot of easy wins last year that would pile up a lot of points, and I mean every single possession for this team seems like a grind, and a lot of that's falling on James Harden. P- pretty much the typical line from him last night: forty-two, nine rebounds, seven assists, two steals, two blocks, seven turnovers. You know, getting to the line twelve times, doing just about everything for this offense. And you know, we've talked about this before. Once again, Dwight Howard just four field goal attempts in twenty-eight minutes. Why? 
did Harden have such a weird game uh, the previous game? This was the second game of a back-to-back. Yeah, didn't he back. only attempt like nine shots last game? He, he went for 10 and 9, uh, 10 points, 9 assists against the Nets in a close game where he played like 35 minutes. Uh, maybe kind of assuming that they could roll that game and saving himself for this game against the Wizards on, on the yeah. road. But, uh, yeah, I could see in DFS, I could see a ton of people being – kind of bummed out about what he did against New Jersey and shying away from him. Good old uh, New Jersey. Second game of the back-to-back. So, yeah, that's, that's Well, he was, yeah, look. I mean, even on NBA TV last night, he was the big, like, you know, fade, do not play candidate. And I guess that just kind of shows the variability uh, of these guys in DFS. But, I mean, I think nine times out of ten, you got to put your money on Harden. Whether this Rockets team is playing well or not, he's like the ultimate going-to-get-my-numbers-either-way type of guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh He's someone that you probably there might have been a slight window there to to buy a little low on him at the start of the year, but that season that, long, yeah, yeah, that window's obviously closed. Right, John Wall looked good in this one. He went through a slump kind of at the end of November, but he seems to be back. Twenty six, twelve assists, nine rebounds, three steals on the block for him. All five starters for Washington in double figures. They get marching Gortat back. He goes for eighteen and thirteen. He was a uh, he was in Poland, I believe, right? It was some something to do with his mother. Sure. Um, but yeah, this is still a, a very thin Washington front court right now with Gooden out, Chris Humphreys surprisingly out. That kind of reaggravated that left ankle injury. Um, they don't really seem to want to play Ryan Hollins a ton, which is shocking. Yeah, I, I can't imagine why. Um, Kelly Oubre staying glued to the bench on most nights too. I think that's pretty much expected, right? Right. He. You know, I I kind of thought he might see some time in the D League this year. Still might. Yeah, I think. I that, don't think they have an exclusive team though, and I think they're a little bit okay. more hesitant. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, well, he he's not going to play much this year. He's definitely a, a work in progress. Well, he had a few games earlier in the year. I mean, he played 26 minutes against OKC. He's had a few double digit minutes games, but then came the uh, the crotch grab a few weeks back. And I think that might have landed him a little bit in Randy Whitman's doghouse. Randy Whitman doesn't seem like a coach who'd be in on the crotch grab. No, no. And his uh, his Randy Whitman's mom's probably not in on the crotch grab either. Randy Whitman, one of the, the few NBA coaches whose mom uh, I think has a, a, a legitimate say in, in how the teams run. What? You haven't heard about this? No. I, I hope she's still alive. I don't want to be talking Jeez, about I, someone who's, <laughs> who's I deceased. Hope she is too. But like a couple of years ago, like she was, uh, like, ah, gosh, I, I don't, I want to get this right, but she was definitely open up an incognito window and search Randy <laughs> Whitman. She mom. was definitely like, I don't know if she was criticizing the way he was coaching or criticizing. I hope like, so. I think she might have been criticizing like the players. For like not trying or, or something like that. Like was his, this back in like the JaVale, Nick Young? Uh, might have been, but like his mom definitely uh, one of the more vocal coaches' moms in the league. I would say. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that there's not a ton of competition there. No, no, that's a, um, that's a yeah. Let me know. Let me know if you if you find that. We'll move on for now. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Andre Drummond. Uh, he went for 18 and 19, but Detroit falls to Memphis. Did you did you see the the way that this game ended? Uh, no. So there's about, I think, seven, seven-ish seconds left to try to set the scene here. Detroit up 92 to 90. Shot clock's running down. Marcus Morris does Marcus Morris things, backs down, misses a jumper. Ursan Ilyasova wrestles the rebound away under the basket. And at this point, there's like four seconds left, five seconds left. 
And rather than just covering it up and getting fouled, he tries to like flip in a reverse layup. Look like maybe a foul, but not a call you're going to get in that situation. Basically, the, the shot gets like partially blocked into the hands of Matt Barnes, who just races up court. There's basically a three-on-one scenario I'm with like I'm four. Wa- I'm wa- I just watched it. With four yeah. seconds left, and with about three seconds left, he's at half court again, looking like you can at least like get to the three-point line right. at the minimum, maybe even get to the hole at that point. Just pulls up from half court and drains a runner from 50 feet, uh, not quite at the buzzer. I mean, there was that, that says how much time is left that the ball had time to make it on a huge arc all the way from half court, and there was still like a second left on the clock. So Detroit inbounds, obviously they didn't score, but. An interesting way for, for those, Memphis uh, to win this. Those Grizz jerseys are sick. Right? What, those, what those are, are those? Great. They're throwbacks. From They're like ABA. the ABA, yeah. Yeah. What were they back then? The Memphis Pros or something? Or what is it? I they? mean, who knows? That that's uh those are sweet. They should those uh, are great. they should dust those off a little more often. Yeah. Yeah. And Mario Chalmers oh. was was asked about those recently and he you know, he came over from Miami recently and he said basically, Yeah, I wish those were our were our permanent jerseys. Yeah, I really yeah. don't like the, the Grizzlies regular jerseys, so they're probably bottom ten jerseys. They're we're, really bad. We're, we're Those... still keeping the the people waiting for the, the yeah. inevitable. We've had we've had a podcast. Google Doc made for <laughs> well over a year at this point of our favorite our favorite current jerseys, our favorite throwback jerseys, our least favorite jerseys. So yeah. someday we'll yeah. pull that out of the vault and and get that on a podcast. But yeah, tough way for for the Pistons to go down. I don't know why Ursan Ilyasova. Uh, felt the need to throw that shot up. But either way, big night for Drummond. Uh, Reggie Jackson, 18.7 assists. Uh, not really too much else to cover. Slow night for Marcus Saul. Uh, 19 and 12, I suppose. Maybe not quite so much for him, but six turnovers. He was he was ill before the game. Uh, didn't really look quite like himself uh, for a lot of this one. But Courtney Lee, 14 points off the bench. And that's pretty much all we need to say about this one. Raptors, 97. Spurs, 94. Um, surprising? Yes, even with Kawhi still a little bit you know, under the weather after reportedly eating a bad Philly cheesesteak on Monday. Uh, yeah, I think any time the Spurs lose these days, it's surprising. Uh, but you know, Toronto's a tough place to play. They're a good defensive team. Uh, I ca- I mean, I I get it. Uh, Spurs ha- are undefeated at home, but are seven and five on the road. So I mean, you're you're gonna have a hard time going into San Antonio and getting a win this year. Yeah, I think. I think this. I was disappointed in Aldridge. He was a guy that I I kind of liked. I thought maybe build some confidence after, after that big game on Monday. No Duncan, no Kawhi. You know, you went for twenty plus in the first half, but with those guys back, he just kind of sunk back into a, an ancillary role. Yeah, you don't want Manu leading you in points. Uh, they only had three guys in double digits. Nobody over twenty. Did you say so. Manu? Like Manu Ginobili? Yeah, Manu Ginobili oh. led them in points. Yeah, I've, I've just never heard anyone pronounce it Manu. Manu, Manu, Manu. Okay, Manu, no, Manu. I, I was just, I was just caught off guard. I'm sorry, but yeah, that's right. <laughs> Seventeen points for him in 25 minutes. You never know. Like the the box scores can always be a little misleading for the Spurs. Like at what point did they pack it in in this game? Duncan only played 20 minutes. Danny Green only played 21 minutes. Kawhi only 27. I can't believe they. Yeah, I mean that that's not crazy. I mean Aldridge playing 34 and Parker playing 30 doesn't right. suggest to me they really packed it in necessarily yeah i guess duncan's been playing pretty reduced minutes for most of the year um yeah demar Derozan, 28 points six assists four rebounds he's second in the league in free throw attempts this season after i think he was like 25th or something last year and you know for a guy who's not shooting threes at least you're getting to the line to kind of compensate for that yeah i mean he's he's been good i feel like he's 
underrated by the advanced like metrics community because like he he's always like kind of ripped on as one of those guys who you know takes a lot of two pointers and doesn't make quite enough to justify how many he takes. But when you kind of look at like this Raptors roster, like before every single season, I'm always like, ah, I'll take the under on the the win total. But like. Who are the constants when they keep beating it? And who are the constants like Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan? So I feel like at some point you got to kind of look at those two mm-hmm. as guys. This is a, just, not a good roster either. I don't I, think it is. Like, I, mean, at, I mean, other than those two and like, I mean, Lowry's really good. I think he's underrated, but like, I mean, he's not a top 10 player probably. And like DeRozan, you know, people go back and forth on him. Those are your, those are your two top dogs on a I team. Mean, Terrence Ross sucks. Terrence Ross back by Umbo sucks. Luis Scola is like it's, a guy that you don't want to be playing 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, James Johnson's Terrible bench. about as unreliable as it gets. Patrick Patterson's a backup big. Corey Joseph's a backup point guard. And I mean, obviously yeah. when Damari Carroll's in there, it's a little bit different. And, and Valanciunas. But right. uh, yeah, I mean, the the roster they tried it out there last night it was basically Lowry DeRozan and a bunch of guys who shouldn't be starting on any team in the league really except for maybe the Sixers and they beat the Spurs so that that's kind of speaks to Lowry and DeRozan all right other games from Wednesday night Fargo did we talk Fargo we could talk some Fargo uh (laughs) (laughs) we talked very briefly about we talk UFOs yeah I mean if anybody's watched Fargo uh if you haven't watched Fargo you should yeah, uh, stop listening to the podcast. Just know that DraftKings is probably where you want to. Yeah, go play on DraftKings yeah. real quick while we talk Bef- Fargo, and then now you can now you can stop listening. But play yeah. DraftKings right now <laughs> while we talk Fargo. I I liked the the or I guess I should say I liked the episode overall. The the penultimate uh, episode of season two on Monday. A lot of I killing. thought the alien. Thing was a little too much but at the same time i also don't think it ruined it i mean reading reading some reviews uh, of the episode there were some critics who were on the side of you know this is way too ridiculous it ruined the whole thing for me there were others who like loved it and thought it was great I'm, i think i'm kind of in the middle where it didn't ruin anything but i also thought it was just a little too much because it was such a cool scene without the ufo right so like my my whole theory is that like they you know they this is kind of based on true events and the person who is telling the story of like what happened there uh, recounts a UFO, probably because they go into shock or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean they they probably recounted that there was a UFO there. So, and I feel like it's almost sort of one of those things where the the show is trying to like make waves, but like you know like kind of how you know game of thrones has the dragons and stuff you know like that they they could be like oh well you know fargo's got like ufos in their show now like i yeah i don't, I don't think that's necessary at all i'm kind of interested to see how they kind of wrap up that that part of the plot and the, the well finale, they had, they had but, hinted at it right for you so were long. you were the one that kind of turned me onto that because i remember like i remember them hinting at it like once or twice in like the first five episodes but then you told me that they've actually hinted at it in every single episode right minor things you know as far as you know like lights and it was always things that you're like i guess i could construe this as a ufo Mm -hmm. but like and i think they could have left it at that you know it's like in season one where they kept there was all those bible allusions you know like the plagues or whatever Mm -hmm. were happening to stavros and then they kind of just ditched that like after the, the fish fell from the sky and his son died in the car accident or whatever like that was it with that with that plot line and i felt like they could have dropped the alien thing and it just could have been a a nod to the paranoia of the mm-hmm. time you know and 
I mean, they went the opposite direction. And, like, I mean, that obviously was the big story of the season so far. Yeah, no. Uh, but my big, my big question for the finale is, like, who – it's obviously going to focus on uh, Peggy and uh, – Ed. Ed. Because they're still alive, <laughs> the Indian's going to be in it because he's still alive. Um, you know, the the two uh, Minnesota cops are still alive, so they'll be in it. And then your boy uh, Milligan's he he's still alive, and the Kitchen brother, and and the, and one of the Kitchen brothers. So I mean, are th- those are like really the only characters that are still alive? Like, because yeah. the mom's dead. Like, yep. like uh, super dead. And All the brothers are the entire well, I was, I was actually dead. talking about the the wife of oh. the cop. Well, is, see, I think she's the, probably dead. She's probably dead, but it could also be a maybe she's she in just, the hospital. She just passed out. Maybe and, like he goes yeah. and visits her, and right. that's like the final. I think they're gonna obviously season. they'll revisit that at some point. Uh, did you watch the preview for the episode? Uh, no, I yeah, it didn't really give much away. No. I mean, it it certainly included the main characters, but it was just kind of it was like a, it was a longer preview than normal. It was like over a minute long, how, but it was just one scene. How does Milligan fit into it? That's like I don't know. There's you know, I always read the the Fargo Reddit thread, which sure. if you're into the show, it's always a lot of fun just to see what other people think about it. And some people think like they just might, you know, his job is done, right? Like his mm-hmm. job was to kill the Gerhardt family and they're all dead and he could just go back to Kansas that's City a, and say that he did it. That's a pretty sweet move. Um well, that was a great. Like, what was his, like, his a, line in the last show? His only line was, "Was it like, okay then? Yeah, well, <laughs> just gets okay out of the then. car, drives away. <laughs> like, let's let's head out of here." Yeah. Uh, that's a sweet scenario though, because he, you know, the you know he gets uh, to not get his hands dirty at all. I mean, pretty right. much everyone died in in that scene except for the those five people. Yeah. So, uh, where does the Indian rank compared to Billy Bob Thornton in the first Ooh. season for you? Not not. Well, it's close, I guess, but I not nearly as cool. I mean, Mal- Lauren Malvo was like one of my favorite TV characters ever. I think that they uh, they basically are the they get the exact same stuff done and they have the exact same prerogative, but they do it in completely different ways. You know, like they basically just kill people and cause chaos. Yeah, and like Malvo's constantly like talking. And like having one-liners and stuff, he and like does it for fun. Anything, right? Whereas, well, Anzi seems to do it be- for like revenge of some does sort. Does he? I feel I like he so. kind of likes killing too. Well, I mean, he certainly um, clearly he does, but at the same time, but it'd be weird if he didn't. But like, <laughs> yeah, so, it would be weird if he did. I hate doing this. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, like something. There, at some point, there's a switch that flipped, you know, and he just went on this rampage. Yeah. You know, the whole like haircut thing, and they keep going back to that. That shot of him looking at the plaque that says "Here's where 23 Sue or whatever it is mm-hmm. were murdered." You know, it's something. You know, there's the there's the ongoing motif of like Indians not being I welcome. Think, like, I think he was gonna be cool. Like, if they had treated him like with respect when he walked into that bar, I think none of this would have happened. Yep, I agree. But he also as he was he went into that bar completely ready to like and some people yeah. if if like they gave him any crap when he went into the bar and they did and so he he ended them and uh you know i think that that at that point like what was he going to do other than just kind of go on this this spree basically i think he uh you know he was on the run for for multiple murders at that point and then when dodd gives it when dodd like calls him what did he call him like uh half breed you what did he call him mongrel yeah you mongrel like i mean that's that's gonna get 
get you yeah. killed probably in most, most and rightfully cases. so right i was like somehow i mean it's like crappy of a character as as dodd is i mean i mean as like a person not as a <laughs> right you know as a literary character but i think it, we, he, i wanted more like it's he, he was wore, hilarious he was he was hilarious like, in, in that episode final eight. episode when yeah. he was tied up uh, yeah that was great like he, that was yeah. phenomenal and then i kind of wanted him to just be a part of the big showdown too you know i mean he's kind of the main piece of that family and he wasn't wasn't a part of it but yeah this this show has been phenomenal and definitely the best show on tv right now i would say Especially, have you seen the leftovers that always seems to be one that people bring up and say it's either fargo or the leftovers i haven't leftovers. seen the leftovers I don't so it's know. hbo it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic you know a bunch of people just vanish and uh that's one of those shows that like when i first saw it come out i was like oh here we go another like this should be on cbs you know after nfl games on sunday just one of those shows but apparently it's really good so i'll have to give that a shot at some point and serial's back now today out of nowhere so the the crime the true crime genre is is in good hands right now yeah the the only like a year ago i thought it was close between fargo and true detective for what, what the best show yep. was and uh i mean fargo this, didn't even need to come out with a new season for that to be no. pretty clear after well true detective, true detective took a step back with... i still love true detective though i oh, mean like think on. of okay well think about if that had been season one people would have loved it uh maybe i don't yeah, know i, I, I didn't even finish they set the bar too principle. high in season one season two was great i, I loved it i didn't come finish on, it out of principle I out of principle like what principle is that that of of them out of ruining, respect of to them, marty hardy yeah, of them ruining a show of them ruining ruining a great show yeah i don't know i mean season one was obviously much much better true detective but yeah i think it was close and now it's not i mean fargo if you combine the aggregate of season one and two like fargo is a clear step or two above true detective just because yeah. season two is that much better fargo season one was a 10 out of 10 and fargo season two is a has been a 10 out of 10 so far in my book yeah I didn't like the ending of season one. I was rooting for Malvo the whole time, and then oh come on, he went down. That was that was a tough. He wasn't way. gonna live. Um, well, I don't know. It's a true story. Like, what if if he had lived? That means he would have. Like, I mean, it's he, not a true story. Well, it's like based on true events. No, it's not. Isn't it? No, that's just, that's just like a joke thing that they throw in there. Oh really? Yeah, that's in the beginning of the Fargo movie. Oh, like none of this is real at all. Nice. Well, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I remember thinking that in the first season too, because I hadn't seen the Fargo movie until like a year ago. So I was, I was like th- three or four episodes in, like, no way this happened. Like, I'm trying to find out. Like, I'm like searching it on Google News and like not finding any stories about it. And well, we should, we should wrap this up before I expose any more of my ignorance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> One sorry, thing I'm can... not ignorant to is DraftKings. I know, <laughs> I mean, I, I know quite a bit about DraftKings. <laughs> I've heard good things <laughs> about them. Um, yeah, I mean, you can. I think we're going to be launching a fantasy football championship i guess it's called there's really no better you know i don't want to just throw the word championship out there but uh there's gonna be qualifiers for week 14 week 15 and week 16 of the nfl season um and then the the championship matchup i guess you have to qualify for it by by doing well in those first three weeks the championship uh will be week 17 so be sure to get in on that we'll be tweeting out a link from the rotowire account um we'll it'll also be linked on the site you'll be able to find it on our social media uh, so definitely be sure to get in on that. Also, you know, DraftKings continue to run their Millionaire Maker events uh, each week. The pot is up to, I think, over one. It's kind of climbed here and there. It started at like a million dollars in week one, and I think it's now like 1.2 or 1.3 million uh, with week 14 approaching. So if you enter that promo code ROTOHOOPS that we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you can play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. Uh, again, that promo code is roto hoops so a few more games to touch on before we wrap this up uh, i know 
Rotowire's own DJ Trainers got to get in here for some video stuff. But Lakers T Wolves, what a showdown! Uh, Carl Towns, there's been talk. I mean, we we spoke what three four weeks ago that Towns had basically locked up the Rookie of the Year. You know, within the first three weeks of the year, and he slowed down a bit. His minutes are down lately. Porzingis has been playing well, but I mean, he was vintage. If there is such a thing as vintage Towns through 23 games this year, 26 points, 14 rebounds, three blocks for him in 35 minutes as the Wolves hold on. D'Angelo Russell sent this game to OT, though. Yeah, I mean, coming off coming off the bench, things are things are pretty rough things for are rough. him. But he he's been persevering, fighting through some adversity there. Uh, got 32 minutes, so I shouldn't give Byron Scott too much crap for that, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, Julius Randle got 33 minutes off the bench, too. I don't really – I mean – I do – I mean, the move on paper seems idiotic, you know, to bring your two youngest, clearest stars or I guess, future is stars. It, is it to try to have them on the court as much as possible when Kobe's not yes, on the court? exactly. Okay. And I think Byron Scott couldn't come out and say that because he's Byron Scott. Uh, but he kind of beat around the bush. And, you know, and even D'Angelo Russell said something. I think his exact quote was – uh, you know, no offense to Kobe, but and then he went on to say something along the lines of, you know, the ball moves more freely with the second group. You know, we have a little bit more freedom. Um, so basically, yeah, I think it's to try to, like Byron Scott right now is trying to let Kobe do his thing while at the same time let these other two guys develop off the bench. And you know, I, I don't like to see them not starting, but if they're mm-hmm. going to play thirty plus minutes, then that's fine. Yeah, I I think they're they're doing the right thing there. Um, this was probably the best game to watch of the night uh just based on the competitiveness and some of the young players that went off uh did you did you catch much of it no not not much of it at all i was i was unfortunately tuned into the badgers game uh after the bucks game ended so i caught the end of wisconsin collapsing and losing to uw milwaukee for the first time since i think 1992 um so yeah it's, it's been a, a rough badger season but that's beside the point i mean i guess this Timberwolves team, Kevin Martin, this is his one game a month where he wins you a game, and he scored 37 points, uh, three assists, one rebound, 14 of 27 shooting, six of nine from three. I mean, this is, again, this is going to be, you know, he'll probably be two of 10 uh, next time out, but that's why you have Kevin Martin on your team, I guess. One of the few guys in the league who can really, really, really get hot and have a night like that. Andrew Wiggins, fairly quiet, 19 points, two assists, no rebounds for him. I guess Towns. Uh, and even Ricky Rubio cleaned up most of the boards, 23 between the two of them. Rubio had just five points, but 12 assists, uh, and again, those nine rebounds. So is this a good win for Minnesota, or do you think they're to the point where they should be taking care of games like this in regulation? Uh, I don't think they're to the point where they should be taking care of any game necessarily night to night. I mean, they're just too young to say that they're – yeah, they should be winning this game or should be winning that game. Shabazz Muhammad, fourteen, excuse me, fifteen points in fifteen minutes to go with five rebounds. There, some rumors yesterday that I read that there's a lot of interest in Shabazz Muhammad around the league. I, I think rightfully so. This is a guy who's probably been underutilized, but it sounds like Minnesota is not really open to trading him, which sucks because he's really good and he should probably be given a chance to develop. Unfortunately. Nemanja Bialica is playing more than him. Tayshaun Prince is playing just as much as him on a lot of nights, and the opportunities just haven't been there. I mean, if you're Minnesota, you obviously want to hold on to Shabazz, but you know, at what point do you actually have to throw him into the fire and see what you actually have here? I don't really see that happening. I, I had to drop him in, in Staff Keeper League just because he's not getting minutes. I don't really see where he would 
get those minutes. I mean, I'd like to see him playing over uh, Bajelka. Is that how do you? Bielitsa. Bielitsa. Some, somehow you get Bielitsa out of that. Um, I'd, I'd like to see him playing over him. Uh, I'd like to see Tayshon Prince never playing, uh, but that's not happening right now. I, I mean, I think they obviously recognize that Muhammad's an asset, so, I mean, I, I don't think he's untouchable at all. You just have to come with a legit, legitimate offer for him. All right, uh, let's see what else we got from Wednesday night. Phoenix 107, Orlando 104. Bledsoe and Brandon Knight uh, continue to just carry this Phoenix team. Uh, they combined for 42 points, 8 steals, 14 assists, and 9 rebounds. Alex Len still starting in place with Tyson Chandler. He had 20 and 14 with 3 blocks in this one. John Luer, 15 and 6. So if you went with either of those guys, even Mirza Toledovic off the bench, 15 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. All those guys were great daily plays, but Tyson Chandler should be back now uh, for Friday's game, so obviously that diminishes Alex Lenz' value quite a bit, um, and certainly a guy like John Luer as well. Um, that said, I think this Suns team, they're kind of the, I guess it's kind of the typical Suns team that, that seems to endure regardless of the coaching staff. They're always just really fun to watch. They move the ball a ton. Uh, they're top five in scoring right now. Um, I mean, do you think they're a legitimate contender for the eight seed at 10 and 13 right now? Uh, yeah, I think that that's kind of wide open uh, for that last spot. So I think they're in the mix. I don't really think they should play like they're trying to get it, though. I think uh, Booker needs to play more. Uh, Warren needs to play more. I, I don't really see the point of playing P.J. Tucker all these minutes just kind of given – what their win curve is i don't really see him being a part of anything special they do down the road so i think they should be focused on developing the younger guys yeah and really i mean the same same probably goes for orlando uh with their overload of i mean a, a young talent for sure you just got to wonder like which of these guys do you look at as a future like big time star in the league any of them i mean it looked like maybe oladipo but the way he started this year now coming off the bench that's certainly in question and I know uh, your answer might be Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I think – I mean, I think Oladipo, Gordon, and Hazonia probably have the three highest ceilings on this team. I, I think Harris and Vucevic are the, the two guys that are kind of ready right now, but I, I think that they're kind of at or near their peaks already, whereas I think Oladipo mm-hmm. and Hazonia and, and Gordon have kind of a bit of a gap there between their current value and what they what they could be in a few years. All right, New York was at Utah last night. Jazz 106, Knicks 85. Uh, Kristaps Porzingis played just 13 minutes in this one. Four points, three boards. Carmelo just 12 points on three of 11 shooting. I I looked up this morning. Carmelo has now had three straight games uh, of less than 20 points. He's not gone four straight games under 20 since March of 2012. So, you know, if you believe in in trends like that, probably a guy you might want to get in a DFS lineup on Thursday night with a four-game slate. Obviously, the options are going to be pretty thin, but, you know, the chances aren't great that he that he has another off night. This is just a bad game all around for New York, I and mean, they shot 40% as a team. Uh, obviously, the bench seeing quite a few minutes. No starter played more than 26 minutes, and that was Carmelo. Um I mean, really not too much to touch on with this one, right? No, I think we, we can move on. I think on. that was it. <laughs> um, the final game of the night was, this was the <coughs> excuse me the late game on ESPN. Hawks 98, uh, the Dallas Zaza Pachulia's 95. All five starters plus Dwight Powell off the bench in double figures for Dallas, but they really weren't able to get much else from the rest of that bench. Um, 
Atlanta, kind of the same same type of distribution that we see for them on most nights. Dennis Schroeder, 11 points off the bench. Kyle Korver, just eight points, one of six from three, about as off of a night as you're going to see from him. 14 points apiece for Horford and Teague. And then Paul Millsap, uh, who's certainly an all-star in my book, 20, 11, 5, and three steals for Millsap. Yeah, that's pretty run-of-the-mill. He's been their best player this year. I think he's the only one that's going to get in to the All-Star. Run-of-the-mill sap, you might say. Nice. Um, yeah, and this is another game. You know, not not a ton to talk about. Nothing nothing too crazy going down. Um, I mean, do you have any other notes that you want to touch on from these games or anything looking ahead to Thursday night? No, I think it's I think it's time to just call it a podcast, I think. I think got, it is. Got I think we of... got, I'm glad we got that Fargo talk in. It needed yeah. to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna. I got, I got cereal to listen to now. I gotta catch up on that Zach Low pod that that you've already apparently listened to. Um, so yeah, big, uh, big Thursday coming up. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.